Well, good morning. We're glad to see you. Um, I've also been sick, <laughs> and I struggled a little bit in the first service. <clears throat> so um, I apologize ahead of time if I have to cough or clear my throat. <clears> throat> um, I feel okay today, so that's good. We're in a series called Missing Peace. Uh, the angel declared that Jesus was going to bring peace, and there hasn't been much peace in the world since then. Today's topic is, Why is God Making Me Wait? Now, I don't, I don't know any people that say, I just enjoy waiting in long lines. Anybody? You just look forward to that? <clears throat> I used to try and figure out in a store. I don't go to the store very often, but when I do, I try and pick that shortest line. Not very successful, I have to admit. <coughs> um, so in recent years, I've just kind of I pick a line and, and wait till I, I go through. But um, my wife, I actually think, likes being in long lines. Because you know what she does in the lines? She talks to the person in front of her, she talks to the person behind her, talks to the person beside her. <laughs> and she's just a social person and she likes making friends. And so she doesn't mind waiting in line at all. I'm sure there are things, though, that <clears throat> she gets tired of waiting for. So for God to change me, for example. But anyway, we won't go there. Um, but a lot about life is about waiting, isn't it? I got to think, even as a child, you, you know, you wait to get high enough to go on the roller, you're tall enough to go on a roller coaster. Can't wait till you can get your driver's license. You can't wait till, you know, you can uh, get a job, whatever it might be. There's all these stages of waiting in life, aren't there? But then there's these waits that we wish we didn't have to wait for, that we would hope we could do something about. <clears throat> waiting for uh, maybe a cure for disease, waiting for uh, a relationship to be restored, waiting for um, salvation of a lost uh, loved one. <clears throat> and these things can cause us to miss peace, can't they? <clears throat> came across this story, this lady, they wanted to get married, and she had 42 requirements in this candidate to be her husband. Time passes, eventually it came down to two. 42 to two. She, she wanted to be a man and have a job. That was, the, that was the bottom line. So I got thinking when I was uh, single, I didn't really have a requirement other than I wanted somebody that was like everybody else, nice and pretty and, and loved God. But I thought it'd be nice if she had long blonde hair. Well, <clears throat> I was going to bring a picture of my wife when we were dating, but I uh, didn't. Complication with sickness. Anyway, she had extremely short, dark <laughs> hair. So obvious, obviously that wasn't a necessary requirement for our relationship. <clears throat> so, what do you do while you wait? My wife waiting in line makes, makes, makes friends. Uh, what do you, uh, you and I do while we're waiting? <clears throat> um, I want to go back to the beginning of the Bible and talk about the people of God and their waiting. <clears throat> so, back in the beginning, God created Adam, said lots of things were good, Seth said there was one thing that wasn't good. What was the one thing that wasn't good? Adam would be alone. So he created Eve. 
and everything was good. He said, be fruitful and multiplying, kind of have fun, do whatever you want, except for one thing. What was the one thing? Not eat from this one tree. Well, Eve ate from the tree, gave it to Adam, Adam ate from the tree. Adam gets blamed for it. It's called the sin of Adam. It's not called the sin of Eve. For whatever reason, <clears throat> uh, sin entered the world. God came and made him close and eventually takes him out of the garden. But there's this interesting thing in Genesis 3, this little conversation between actually God and Satan, the serpent. <clears throat> We're just going to read this one verse. And this is considered the first prophecy which means something in the future that you're going to have to wait for that we, that we find in Scripture. <clears throat> so, Genesis 3. And I, God, will put enmity or open hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, mankind. And between your seed, or offspring, and her seed. Now, let me stop there. It's the only place recorded in Scripture where women... A woman is re referred to as having a seed. Uh, we know biolog biologically that man has a seed and woman has the egg, right? So what's significant about this is Jesus couldn't be born of the seed of Adam. That would be sinful nature. So all the way back at the beginning of Genesis, it says the seed of the woman. So Jesus was born all man, not sinful, but all man, born of the seed of a woman. And of course, his father was the Holy Spirit. So all God. So he was created perfect, perfectly without the stain of sin. Fascinating. All the way back to the beginning of Genesis. And then it says this. This No, let me keep reading there and finish reading. He... This offspring, we know Jesus, shall fatally bruise or crush your head, Satan. And you, Jesus, I mean Satan, will only bruise his heel. So eventually when Jesus was born a perfect, lived a perfect life, Satan was partially successful in only bruising the heel. That's not fatal, is it? It looked fatal because he died on a cross. But it was only temporary, right? Three days later, rose from the dead and that crushed Satan's head. He was defeated. I know. I know thinking about when I was, I was a kid, I went visit my relatives upstate New York <laughs> and my cousins were always making fun of me. I was a city kid and they were, you know, farm boys. So they were in a, cut off a head of a chicken for dinner. And they said, you hold a chicken. So I held the chicken. The thing they didn't tell me is I'm supposed to let go once the chicken head's cut off. Because we have an expression, right? Running around like a chicken with his head's cut off. Literally, chickens run around with their heads cut off, which I found out the hard way. So that's what Satan is doing now. He's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Because he's been crushed. He's been defeated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so, fast forward some thousands of years, and we get to some of the prophets, God speaking to these prophets, to his people, the Israelites. So here in Isaiah, 
it says this. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. What's the sign going to be? The virgin will receive a child. Well, that's a pretty amazing sign, right? Virgins don't have children. And she will give birth to a son. It won't be a daughter, it'll be a son. And you will call him. I got a name for him. A name's for significant, had meaning. Name was Emmanuel. What does that mean? Well, it means God is with us. So, when this virgin has this baby boy, it's going to be God with us. Literally, God in the presence of a human body with us. And then we fast forward 700 years to the time of Christ. Mary becomes pregnant. She's the virgin, right? But she's engaged to this guy named Joseph, and that's a no-no, right? So Joseph is trying to figure out what to do about this dilemma. And, oh, I didn't finish reading this passage. Okay. So, no, I didn't read, did I read that one? I'm losing track here. Yeah, this here's where we want to be. Um, as he was considering this, now he was pretty, pretty much considering two options. He was either going to divorce her or he was going to have her stoned for committing adultery, right? That was an option in his day. Well, he loved her, cared about her, didn't want to do that. So he was seriously considering uh, quietly divorcing her. The angel came to him and said, hey, there's a third option, Joseph, an option he wasn't considering because it was kind of an uncomfortable option. So first the angel tells him, well, relax. <laughs> she hadn't been unfaithful to you. It's a pretty big deal, right? So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. <coughs> Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, what would some of the fears be? Well, he'd, they'd be ostracized in the community. Either he married an adulteress or they had sex before marriage. Both no-nos in his culture, right? So it was going to be difficult if he married her. So don't be, uh, don't be afraid. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful. So this baby is going to be fully God and fully man. So Joseph... Don't be afraid. Text goes on. <clears throat> and she'll have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm Joseph, I'm saying, that's not one of our family names. Well, he's not really your son. You're going to have the privilege of raising him. But he's my son, and I get the privilege of nailing it, na naming him. And I'm going to name him Jesus. God, meaning God, of course. For why Jesus? Because he saved his people from their sins. Jesus literally means the Lord saves. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. So we can't save us. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. But Jesus can save us. And of course, the prophecy is the one we just read in Isaiah, right? Look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Of course, Jesus, 33 years later, leaves. 
But the, one of the things I think that we kind of overlook in Christianity is Jesus didn't leave us comfortless. He sent us a gift of God's presence we call the Holy Spirit. And he indwells those of us who are believers. So that's an amazing, amazing thing that the Spirit of God dwells in me and in you if you're a Jesus follower. So, let's flip the question around. What is God doing while you and I are waiting? Is he just being cruel? Is he just going to give us a hard time? Is he ignoring us? What's he doing? Well, I want to talk to you about the 400 years between the end of what's called the Old Testament, Malachi, and the beginning of the New Testament that begins with Matthew. It's called the intertestimonial period, right? Because between the Old Testament and the New Testament, basically 400 years. So God is silent then. God didn't have any prophets that he wanted to write stuff down for us to read later. Now, can you imagine it? Now, they've been waiting for thousands of years for this Messiah. They've certainly been waiting for 700 years since Isaiah for this Messiah. And for those last 400 years, nothing, complete silence. And we at times feel like God is silent, don't we? We pray and don't seem to get an answer. We don't see anything happen. So I put on your outline, just because God feels like silent doesn't mean he's absent. While you're waiting, God is working. Let's say it this way, behind the scenes. Any production. We've been to some ballet productions. Uh, there's hours and hours of work ahead of time. There's all these people working that you don't ever even see, right? It's all behind the scenes to produce this. Movies are the same way. Well, God is working, doing all kinds of things behind the scenes that we don't necessarily see. The scripture talks about us being slaves to sin. That means you and I can't not sin. That's before Jesus, before salvation. And one of the amazing things about having the dwelling, indwelling of the Holy Spirit is I cannot not, I cannot sin. I can say no to sin. So referring to that, Paul in Galatians writes this. <clears throat> when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, he was in a human body. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law and its sin so that he could adopt us into his very own, for his very, very own children. So we have been adopted, which is an amazing thing. My, I didn't get to pick my parents. You didn't get to pick your parents. My parents didn't get to pick me. Or you, right? Unless you were adopted. Isn't that amazing? If you're adopted, your parents picked you. And if you were old enough, you probably had some say if you wanted to be picked by them. So God in Christ says, I want to adopt everybody. Isn't that amazing? Kids go, with not, go without being adopted. But nobody needs to go without being adopted by God. The only thing is, you get to choose you want to be adopted or not. 
And at that point, when you choose, that's the point of salvation. You enter into a relationship. God's your father. You're his child. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, which is, again, amazing. Well, I want to dwell on this term, right time. It's two Greek words. Time is the word chronos, which we kind of understand in English. But the word right is translated lots of different ways. Uh, the fullness of time, the appropriate time, the appointed time, the completion of time, the proper time. Literally, it means this. Um, fully, the time was fully pregnant. Uh, we've had four children, so I've experienced this a couple times. Some of you had two. So my wife wakes, when your wife wakes you up or calls you on the phone and says, it's time, you don't say, no, it's not. I, actually, I tried this once. I said, no, it's too early. She said, no. <laughs> kind of silly of me, right? Because when it's time for the baby to be born, the baby is born, right? And so when it was the fully pregnant time, Jesus was born. So I think the best translation, I couldn't find it anywhere, was the perfect time. He was born in the perfect time. And you and I can argue about things that happen in our lives. But one of, one of the things about getting older is you can kind of look back. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And you can say, yeah, I wish that would have happened sooner, but it was probably best that it didn't. God's time is perfect time. Now, quickly, some of you aren't big on history, but there's some fascinating history that happened during these 400 years. So let's go through it. First, Alexander the Great conquered the quote-unquote known world. So what was significant about that? Well, the language, the Greek language was spread over the known world. So now it was a way for people to talk to each other, right? Which is pretty significant, especially when one has spread the gospel. So during that period also, since Greek was common language, the Jews had the Old Testament, their Bible, which was written in Hebrew, translated into Greek, so other people that didn't know Hebrew could still read it. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, Socrates, a Greek philosopher, came up with the Socratic method up until that time. Teaching was done. Somebody that knew something talked, and the person that needed to learn it listened. The Socratic method involved dialogue and of asking and answering of questions. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what Jesus taught? And then, before the 400 years were over, the Romans conquered the Greeks. And so now we have Latin being spread. But the Romans had, were so good at conquering people that they had what's called the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace. And so the Roman soldiers had, what are they going to do? Well, they did stuff like building roads and aqueducts and communication systems, which again, pretty important if you want to spread the gospel. And then the diaspora. This was the spreading of the Jewish people all over the known world at the time through persecution. So when Paul, this famous missionary, goes and starts traveling around the Mediterranean and he gets to this town, guess where he goes first? He goes to the synagogue because the Jewish people had... Developed synagogues all over because they were spread all over. So this is just some inkling, I think, of why 
when Jesus was born was the perfect time for the gospel to be spread around the world. So, on your outline. While God's people were waiting, God was still working, right? God was involved in all these things. No, no nation conquers any other nation without the will of God. So while you and I are waiting, and I'm sure some of you are waiting, maybe all of us waiting for something now. There's so many examples in Scripture. Abraham prom promised he was going to be a father of a great nation. How many years later before he had that child? Who knows? 25. That's a pretty long wait, 25. Joseph, as a teenager, had a vision that he was going to rule over a, a nations, in fact, rule over his brothers, 10 older brothers. How long? 13 years, from 17 to 30. Man lame, Jesus healed. He was lame for 38 years. He waited. Uh, a man that was blind, Jesus healed. And they said, why, why has he been blind? His parents sinned or did, you, did he sin? No, 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 neither one sinned. This was so God could show his glory by healing. So on your outline, God's delays are not necessarily God's denial. Sometimes God says no to us. Uh, uh, that's true. But often it's not denial. It's a Wait. So I thought of two reasons why we might have to wait. <coughs> Number one, maybe the reason is because it's not ready. Right, what do I mean by it? Let me try a simple illustration. <clears throat> I'm the oldest of five children. My sister May, as a lot of you know, she's a year younger than me. My brother Pierce is a year younger than her. So I finished high school. I started going to the University of Maryland. May finishes high school. She starts going to the University of Maryland. Pierce finishes high school. He goes to the University of Maryland. So, you know, at that time I'm a junior. <laughs> the three of us are at school. Well, May happens to meet a guy on campus by the name of Fred. Some of you know Fred, right? Um, and so when they're 20 years old, they get married. I'm 21 at this point. Uh, my brother Pierce meets Fred's sister. When, they become, when he becomes 20, I think she was a little younger, uh, they got married. So, younger siblings, both at the age of 20, got married. I'm 22, and not ready. I didn't really have any prospects at that point, okay? And so, let's back this up a little bit. <clears throat> Some of you don't know the difference in my ages. But when I was 20, my wife was 13. Don't think that works too good, does it? So the it, in this case, my wife, wasn't ready. When she was ready at 18, I was 25, we got married. All right? So the it, my, the it, whatever it is in that scenario, it, it's not the right time. The flip side is also true. Sometimes we have to wait because maybe it's ready, but I'm not. And to be honest, at 20, I wasn't ready to get married. <clears throat> Maybe God's got to do something maturing. I was two years waiting to become a pastor. I probably wasn't ready to be a pastor at 25, four. 
God will often, I'll put on your outline, do something in you before he does something for you. And that it takes time. It may be physically maturing, emotionally maturing, certainly spiritually maturing. I see another story back when I started attending this church. Uh, we were unemployed. We had been missionaries to Portugal. Um, decided that God didn't want us to go back. We didn't know what God wanted us to do. So I was basically unemployed for a year with four children. And I often wonder why we went through that experience. It really wasn't as bad as it sounds like it should have been. Because God provided us for us through that. And so whenever we doubt God's provision, when we start not trusting that he's going to take care of us, all we've got to go do is look back and say, oh, remember that year? How foolish of us not to trust him now. So a simple statement on your outline is this. <clears throat> Don't waste the waiting. What is God trying to do while you're waiting? Don't rebel against him. Don't get angry with him. Say, okay, God, <laughs> I want this to be as short as possible. What do I need to do? Let me figure this out. And he'll be faithful. <clears throat> Back to Isaiah. Interesting comment about our God. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you. And we don't really think about this too much, but <clears throat> back then, they had a pantheon of gods. The Romans had lots of gods. The Greeks had lots of gods. Uh, but the Jews had one God. So they, we have this one God who does what? Work for those who do what? Wait for him. Not run ahead of him, but wait for him. This is not a passive waiting you know, okay, God. Okay, God, what do I need to do? I trust your character. You're loving and, and all-powerful and all-knowing. You know what's best. You got, your timing is perfect. So what do I do to not waste the time? Again, just because God feels silent, and be honest, he does to me too sometimes, doesn't mean he's absent. Absent. <clears throat> While you and I are waiting, God is working. Bring it up, please. <clears throat> Quickly, I want to talk to you about the difference between Christianity and religion. The world would call Christianity a religion. If you've been around here a while, I try and convince people that Christianity is not a religion. So I'll try it again this morning. What is a religion? Well, on your outline... One way we can describe it is people pursue their vision of God. So, all the religions of the world, they have their rules, their understanding of their God, and the rules of what God likes, what God doesn't like. And the basic premise is, I think you need to do more things that he likes than the things he doesn't like, and then I'll get whatever reward that religion teaches. Right? All religions of the world. So you try and have more winners than losers. Right? in your relationship with that, your vision of God. And you pursue that. That is your work. We call it works religion. Christianity is not that way. What is Christianity? Well, Christianity is, it's on your outline, people serve a God 
who pursues them. Jesus said, I came for, not for the well, but for the sick. Came to seek and to save that was lost. God is a pursuer. So, what if the God you're waiting for is actually pursuing you? Which boils down to basically he's waiting for you and for me. Uh, I think it's our last verse this morning. And Peter, Peter's writing, he says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. So when you when we think we're waiting, well, God, hurry up. I'm tired of waiting. You're too slow. He said, no, no, no. God's never slow about his promises. As some people think, you and I may think, he is being patient. Why? For his sake? Nah. For your sake. So there's on some reason he's being patient for you and for me. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, wants everyone to repent. So while you're waiting, God is working. He is pursuing. And he's waiting on us. Let me ask you a simple question. Is God ever early? Or God ever late? No. He's always on time. Perfect time. So, take home. What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you? He's waiting for you to mature. He's waiting for you to change something in your life. He's waiting for you to commit. Choose to cooperate with him and with what he's wanting to do in your life. And eventually the wait will be over. Let me pray with you. <clears throat> oh God, we're impatient people. And it seems to be worse and worse in our culture because in our culture you can get almost anything pretty quickly. But real important stuff like maturity doesn't come instantly. Growth doesn't come instantly. It takes time. And we need to be patient. Not Twiddling our, twiddling our son's thumbs impatient, patient, but actively patient. Figuring out what is the process of the waiting. It's a waiting process. And God, so I would pray for all of us who are waiting. Uh, I would say probably all of us for lost loved ones to be saved, for some kind of healing, restored relationship, whatever it might be. <clears throat> that we would give us the patience, give us the trust, you God, that you're working. And ask that you show us what we, we might be doing. And we pr pray for anyone that's either watching or here that never let God adopt them. Maybe they're running from, or you're running from God. Well, let me guarantee you, God's running after you. That word repent means just turn around. Doesn't matter how far you've ran, how long you've been running, just turn around, and God will be there to forgive you of your sins and adopt you into his family. I pray today is the day you make that decision. 
For those of Jesus followers, God, I pray that we have peace in the midst of the waiting. We thank you for all these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.